Good morning. Welcome to MRCC on Memorial Day weekend. There's two kinds of people that celebrate Memorial Day weekend. Those of you who are here, you guys did yard projects, right? And then all the empty seats, those are the people that are schmucks and they went camping. And we all know that the weather's not going to be nice tomorrow, so who all got projects done this weekend? Yeah, I didn't. But I went to Costco and I got stuff to start the project. So I win. Oh, man. Well, good morning. My name is Tyler. I'm the youth pastor here at MRCC. And before we get started with our announcements and stuff, um, just to touch on tomorrow, it is Memorial Day. Um, and we want to be reminded and remember the cost of all of the people who um, gave their life for the freedoms of our country. You know, in the Bible, in John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13, it says, this is my commandment, love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And so I would just uh, encourage you tomorrow, uh, whether you're having a barbecue or just spending time with friends or you're doing their projects, uh, just to be reminded of the sacrifice that was made for those freedoms. So we're going to bow our heads, we're going to pray, and then we'll, we'll get into the rest of the morning. Dear Lord, we thank you for the freedom that you have given to us and for the price that was paid by Christ so that we could live free. We remember tomorrow the cost of it all, the great sacrifice of freedom. We thank you for the brave men and women who have fought and continue to fight so courageously for our nation, Jesus. And we ask for your covering and blessing over them and their families. We pray that you would be gracious and encircle them with peace. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, I do have a few announcements uh, for things coming up later this summer and then uh, also today and next week. Starting today, we have a Connections Lunch. If you are new here at MRCC and you are finding uh, you want to find a way to get connected, this lunch is for you. Um, where's Brent? Right there. He's the guy with the um, sweet um, hair hair thing. Is that a top knot? I think it's a top knot. Uh, he plays keys. Uh, Pastor Brent is in charge of our groups here and our connections. Uh, lunch is at his house today. It is at 1 p.m. to 3 p.m. Um, they're not doing burgers. I made that mistake in first service. We're doing sandwiches, and so uh, we would love to see you there uh, if you're new here and you're looking to get connected. Coming up next Sunday, next Sunday evening, evening is our Women's Night of Worship uh, if you are a lady and you're like, I want to come worship with other ladies, I would say uh, that next Sunday is for you. I believe it starts at 6 p.m. And uh, I would just encourage you, uh, if you're looking to just receive what God has for you, um, the ladies who have been in charge of it have been working very hard on it, um, very, very many hours, very, very many. I just said that. That was weird. Uh, so I, I just encourage you to come to that. Also coming up later this summer, we have camps we have kids camp coming up at the end of June and youth summer camp coming up at the end of July. Registrations are ending soon. Um, but also, Pastor Alice and I, we are looking for uh, youth leaders and kids leaders to come and join us uh, to invest in our students here. If you're, you know, if you're wondering what camp is like, um, if you're wondering what youth or kids ministry is like, camp is a great way to find out. Um, and uh, I, I would just encourage you, if you have that on your heart, uh, just to come and talk to one of us. If you want to open your Bibles this morning to, uh, we're going to be in Isaiah a lot. So I would, I would say, uh, open it to Isaiah this morning. Uh, 
Well, thank you, Tyler. Uh, I really, if you, uh, I'm Pastor Allison, our kids' pastor, and I would say yes, come to kids' camp. <laughs> uh, but I do, uh, um, actually, kids' camp is probably one of my favorite times of year um, because really it is a great time for kids to get away, and uh, and he's right. It's a great way to get to know the kids. So you could come, and then we could, uh, you know, it's funny, one of my first years here, we did this, uh, Elevate is our spring retreat in the, in the springtime, and obviously it's called spring retreat, um, but uh, we definitely would have a few people come, you know, because it's only a one-night retreat, and uh, often their parents, and I'd be like, okay, so now you're on board, right, to be in kids' ministries, and they'd be like, oh, we did not know what we signed up for. So I'm just putting it out there right up front. Wow, you guys are a hard crowd. You're not even laughing a little bit, not even a little. Okay, I have to tell you something about me. I have to have some feedback. You're just going to have to, even if you nod and smile, if you, I'm going to ask you to repeat after me a couple times today. I'm just going to ask you, more than three of you would be nice. Okay, we're warming up. All right. <laughs> I am going to tell you about our Memorial Weekend so far. Is that okay? I mean, just to get us going, because I know that you're all here. I think we're the smart ones. I believe we're the smart ones because years ago, my husband and I decided we will never travel on Memorial Weekend for two reasons. One, because of traffic, and two, because it's normally nasty weather. Normally. Today seems pretty okay, but did I hear, is it going to rain tomorrow? I don't know. If you are a tent camper like we are, we do not have a motorhome. Uh, I mean, it's really not fruitful this weekend. It's supposed to be camping, right? You're not supposed to go to like a hotel, right? I don't know. If you camp on the ground, Memorial Weekend's not the weekend to go. So my kids realized a few days ago that it was a Memorial Weekend and they'd have an extra day. And so they're like, oh, we've got some extra time, Mom. Do we have plans? Okay, I, I'm really fishing for sympathy right now. Because, of course, the mom says, of course we have plans. And my kids are there and I say, we are going to purge everything we don't use or play with anymore. If you can imagine my three children, the eye rolling and the sighing, right? How many of your parents, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, can I, uh, the sympathy I really want to get from you is that I have five members in my family of which I'm ready to purge. I want to spend our weekend purging. Um, my son Tyler's like, no, I'm going to have friends over. I need to have my friends near me, so I'm going to invite all my friends to come over. My daughter says, well, I think shopping sounds awesome. We should go shopping. Of which my other son is tr quietly trying to hang out in the background and hope nobody notices him because he, don't ask him to do a single thing. He just wants to play video games all weekend. And then we have my husband who's like, let's go to the Mariner game. Five members of my family, we all, op how can I have five people in my family and be polar opposite of each other, every single one of us? I thought there were only two polars, right? There are five. That's all I have to say about that. Okay, but I hope you're having a good Memorial Weekend. I hope you guys have spent some time as a family because so far the only thing that's actually happened is my husband did go to the Mariner game with, with the son that wanted to be with all his friends. <laughs> Just the two of them went to the Mariner game. It was fabulous, and they had a great time, but the rest of us literally have done nothing so far. So, I mean, I don't know. Is that okay? That's okay sometimes to do nothing. I mean, we watched a little bit of TV, maybe. I don't know. My son wanted to watch. Oh, I, okay. You don't want to know. All right. But today we are going to be in the book of Isaiah, as, as Tyler told us. So if you want to open your Bibles, we'll be in chapter 40 is where we'll kind of kick off uh, God's word together this morning. And actually, can I tell you, as I was preparing this message, 
you know, when I'm, uh, you know, when I get to come on occasion, uh, I'll sit down before the Lord and I'll just say, okay, the whole Bible's in front of me. God, what, what would you have, you know, what's really, on, what are you going to put on my heart to share with our church? And I started thinking, gosh, some of these verses in Isaiah are so encouraging. So that's what I started with. They're so encouraging. And then as I started to study more, and I really felt like that's where God was leading us, that, you know, we'd, we'd be in God's word or we'd be in the book of Isaiah. And so I was excited about it. I thought these verses that, that you know, I was reading, they're so encouraging. And then I started to realize, well, this is the prophet Isaiah who was writing during a time when the northern kingdoms of Israel were about ready to collapse. Okay, Okay. there's the t- 10 northern tribes and then two of uh, the, the kingdom of Judah are the other two. So he wrote primarily in light of all the stuff that was going on with the, the northern kingdom, primarily to the, the kingdom of Judah, he was trying to help challenge them to trust God in their adversity. I was like, oh, perfect. You guys, I, I want you to be encouraged today in your adversity. How many of us have had some struggles or some hard times in our lives? Yeah. Okay. And the other thing that came to me, and I will tell you, I really wrestled with this scripture all week long, uh, the last two weeks, really. And the reason I can tell you that is because I want to be sure, one, that we're honoring God's word in everything we do. Our whole team feels that way, that, that we would honor God's word fully. But the second thing is that I can say for, for truth, over the last two weeks, I have been in conversation with so many people who are really struggling. I don't know, uh, you know, one of my friends lost her son to suicide. Another friend has a, a cancer diagnosis. Another friend is really struggling in their marriage. And I just think these are friends. These are just a few. And then I realize, and I'm, I'm reading about this, and I'm, I'm asking God about how we would share his word today. And I realize every single person in the room has had adversity, has had struggle, has had challenge. Whether you're in it now or not, or whether you know somebody who is, the truth is adversity is real. Yes? And the truth is, I don't know every one of your stories, but the Holy Spirit does. And I'm just going to pray that he's going to encourage you today in the struggles that you face. And if you're in a season of joy right now, I'm really sorry that you're here. I'm teasing. Uh, (laughs) That's not true at all because I really believe that God can use every single bit of his word to encourage you. And the truth is, I know that you'll be able to relate to some of the things that have happened in your past. And I know that God will use it for your future too. So I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to really dig into God's word. Father, I really am thankful for those that are here today that have set aside this day to really honor you and be a part of your church family. And God, I pray a blessing over the time we share together today. I pray that your words, God, would speak into every heart in this room. God, that you would that you would just guide our time together this morning. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for what your word teaches us. Amen? Amen. All right, well, the title of our message today is Lost, because I do believe that the further we wander from God... In a world that's full of adversity, the more lost we become and the harder it is for us to trust God in the face or in the midst of our struggles. True? Okay, it reminds me of a, you know, if there's a boat that's drifting out at sea, do they ever drift to the right place? Gilligan's Island. No, the answer is no, right? And so I really hope today that as we really dig into God's word, that we would really understand the concept that, that we really do need to be intentional in our relationship with Christ. If for example, I, I know there's a story that Pastor Greg told one time. He was sharing a story about a man and a woman. And they were seeking to get married, and um, after they were married, they decided they wanted to live separately. Does that even make sense? Would you do that? 
Absolutely. I mean, honestly, okay, I'm, I'm just going to stop right there. But the truth is, right, that wouldn't work, and you know it wouldn't work because over time, that love would maybe diminish or, or get lost because the time and intentionality isn't spent. We know that a healthy marriage is really built on the intentional time that's spent together. Okay, imagine if you had a really close friend and you said, you know, I think our friend should be just fine. If we got together maybe 30 minutes a week, that should be enough, right? We'll build this friendship. It'll be strong. I got your back 30 minutes a week. Would that work? Oh, gosh, you guys are No! <laughs> okay, I got one more. I got one more. Parents, children, can you imagine if you're like, hey, you do your thing. I'll do my thing. How about we get together at 6 p.m. on Thursdays? That should be enough. We'll be a good, solid, strong family. 6 p.m. on Thursdays, right? The kids are excited right now. The kids are like, yes, that sounds awesome. But even you kids, I'll be honest, over time, you'll start to feel lonely if you don't have that connection, that constant connection. It's funny, uh, we, we've been looking at colleges for my daughter, and recently, uh, it was actually your daughter, Ava Cash, we were talking with her, and you'll be so proud, because she said to my daughter, Listen, college is different because eventually you realize you don't have the constant voice of your parents in your life every single moment that you feel like you need it. You're, you're, you don't live with them anymore. And I just sat there and I thought, wow, see, proud mom moment right there. <laughs> Ava's parents are right here just in case you didn't know that. But the truth is I thought it was very sweet that she would say that because the, the, the real honest truth is we need time and we need connection, don't we? A true friendship does not grow 30 minutes a week. And God would say the same thing to us, that our relationship with him, if we only connect with him on Sundays, man, we're missing something, aren't we? We have, God desires a deep, genuine heart friendship with you. Do you know the Bible says that God, he wants your friendship. Think about that for just a minute. Friendship is deeper than just 30 minutes a week or 6 p.m. on Thursday right? Friendship requires so much more. Friendship requires intentionality and time to be connected uh, with each other. It actually reminds me of another story I heard recently about another husband and wife. Oh, gosh. Okay, so this husband and wife, they just got married, and when they first got married, uh, every time they get in the car, the wife would snuggle up to her husband while he drove. And over time, she realized as she sat there and she looked over at her husband, she's like, how come we don't snuggle anymore? I wonder if something's gone. We're drifting away. I wonder, I wonder if something's wrong. And so finally she's sitting there while she's thinking this through, and she looks over at her husband. She's like, well, what happened to us? Why, why don't we snuggle anymore? You want to know what he said? I haven't moved. Right? He's the one driving the car. He hasn't gone anywhere. She's the one that moved. And I would say that truly. The truth is God says the same to us. When we feel like we've drifted, he says the same thing. I haven't moved. I haven't gone anywhere. I'm right here. I desire friendship with you. Amen? The truth is, um, I, well, I want to I wanna share with you just a couple little statistics because, you know, I'm not much of a statistics person, but it's not, oh, gosh, it's not a statistic, really. It's a truth. It's a fact. There we go. We'll go with that. Uh, but the Bible actually references over 65 times the truth that God will never leave you and he's with you or he's close to you. 
Over 65 times in the Bible. Over 100 times there are references in the Bible about God's unchanging faithfulness. Unchanging faithfulness. His love for you too. And that, I don't even think there's a number for that. His love for you. If that's every verse of the Bible speaks his love for you. Um, But sometimes I think we just need to remember that God hasn't changed. He hasn't pulled away from you or started loving you less. That's not who he is. As a matter of fact, the Bible teaches me that God is love, right? And love loves all the time, fully. Love doesn't choose who to love or how much to love. Love just loves, and that's who God is. He sees you completely. He knows you fully. He loves you beyond measure. And the Bible teaches me that he is near to you always. He's near. We're the ones sometimes that drift away and get lost, yeah? And as we contrast that, think about it for a minute, I mean, how beautiful is it, a beautiful truth that God is so close always to us. But I think that where we get in trouble sometimes is we realize in our own culture, that's not the common thread, is it? We live in a culture that is ever-changing, right? Our lives change, our laws change, our friends change, uh, our jobs will change, our children will change, our finances, maybe even our health or our the seasons. You guys, your shoe size will change, and guess what? Even your pant size will change, Right? Everything changes, okay. But the truth is, in everything, we know everything changes. God does not. I mean, the Bible tells me, Hebrews 13, 8, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when we connect that truth with his love for us, a love that we talked about even in communion, right, that we didn't have to earn it, we don't have to approve anything for it, his love is not hidden from us, it's fully available to every one of us because God has promised it to you, and God doesn't lie. His love is constant, and it is here through all of our stuff, yesterday, today, and forever. You've experienced his love yesterday, yes? You've experienced it today. How do we trust it for the future? Because of the experiences that we've had, yes? We have a culture that demands that we earn everything, so I think it's hard for us to understand that we don't have to earn God's love. But we live in this world that is broken, and it is surrounded by hardships, discouragement, maybe failures, maybe struggles, adversity. You get the idea. But if we can really rest in the fact that God is near and his love is never-ending, that's what we need to hold on to, those promises and those truths. We hold on to those. Because here's my question. I want to lead us into this this next piece is when we struggle, do we have a tendency to blame God? Or run to God. Because I'll be honest, I think every person in this room at one point or another has thrown up our hands and we're like, why did God let this happen? I feel like that's a common, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with people. They say, why did God let this happen? But here's the truth. I know his love for me. I know he's close. I know there's actually more truths that we're going to get into in just a minute. I think what's happening is we're asking the wrong question. It's not why did God let this happen, but... How can he help me? Maybe the question we need to answer is, how can God guide me? How can he teach me? How can he lead? How can he grow me? How can he stand beside me and give me the things that I need? Walk with me. Help me in those moments that I really need help. Help me to persevere and give me what I need to walk through the struggles and the challenges. And like I said at the very beginning, when I was really wrestling with these scriptures, I said, is that true even for the person who lost their son or their daughter? Is it true for the person who has cancer and is facing a terminal diagnosis? Is it true? Yes, it's true. Even in these moments, I thought, here's the truth. I don't ever want us to say, yes, 
but you don't know what I'm going through. Oh, the Holy Spirit does. He knows exactly what you're going through. And, and I can tell you one thing I do know for sure. When we have a tendency to be mad at God or blame God for our situation, don't forget this, that God is not the author of sin and death. He's not the author of pain and destruction. He's not the author of loneliness and isolation, but he is the author of life. He's the author of love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. And if we can remember that in those moments that we're really struggling, we know and we can rest in the truth that God will be with us. As a matter of fact, that's where we're going to um, pick up in Isaiah this morning. We're going to start in for chapter 40. Uh, I'm just going to read a few verses. These are the verses that came to my mind when, when I was preparing to write a sermon for us today. Uh, chapter 40, verse 29. And I pray this encourages you uh, in all that you're doing and the, the season of life that you're in. Verse 29 says, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Okay, in kids' church, I make them repeat after me. I told you this is your opportunity. You guys get to be part of kids' church right now. He gives what? Strength to the weary. And he increases what? power of the weak. When we feel weak, when we feel weary, this is a promise right there that when, but here's the truth, and this is what I tell my kids every single time, you have to seek him. You have to come to him. This verse is, is a promise, and it is true. He gives strength to the weary. It increases the power of the weak. You have to seek him. If we wander away, if we are lost from him, this is a promise that's available when you seek him. Look at, oh, we'll jump to 41, verse 13. Read this one with me. It says, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, read it with me, I will help you. I do this in our kids' church all the time, so thank you for, there's more than three of you. In first service, there's like three. So I appreciate, thank you so much for participating with me. Uh, but the truth is, when, when we're in kids' church, I will often say to the kids, and this has become a habit, so they've learned, that when I say to them, hey, the Bible teaches me, oh gosh, I lost my way, the, guy, the Bible teaches me <laughs> that when you ask God for help, and then they know specifically that their answer is, he will help me. Yes. So uh, if I say that to you, then you have to respond. You got it? You with me? You ready for that? Okay, because the Bible does teach me that when I come to God and ask him for help, he will help me, yes. And can I tell you something else? This is the other thing I tell my kids every single time. I say, yes, the Bible says that when I go to him and I ask for help, he will help, yes. But the Bible doesn't necessarily say exactly how because God only knows the how. My job is to trust the how. And I tell our kids all the time, it help doesn't always look the way you or I might expect it to look. And that's where we can get ourselves into a trap sometimes. Here's the let's look at let's look at one more verse and then and then we'll go from there. Look at verse chap it will go back to chapter forty, verse thirty one. This is just a couple verses after the first verse we read. For those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Anywhere in that verse, does it say it will become easy? No, as a matter of fact, almost the opposite. For those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. That means I'm going to need strength. 
to get through this thing. They will soar on wings like eagles. He's going to carry you in the midst of your struggle. They'll run and not grow weary. That means that that you're needing the Lord to be with you, to walk with you, to hold you, to carry you. That doesn't mean it's going to become simple or easy, but he will be with you and walk with you so that you will not be faint. He's giving you what you need in the struggles that you face is what I'm learning in this verse. But here's the key. When I trust him, yeah, when I seek him, when I become intentional about seeking him, when I haven't drifted away from him, when I haven't, here's the thing, right? When I blame him, what am I doing? I'm walking away from him rather than toward him. Let me give us one more verse. Jump over to chapter 54, verse 10, and it says this. I'll give you a second to get there. 54, verse 10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. His love, what I'm learning in this, right? His love is unfailing. His compassion never ends. If you truly believe this, then what you'll be able to do is really trust the process as you navigate the hard stuff. Because I'll read just even one more verse for you. It's Psalm 34, 18. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So can I trust the process knowing that he's near to me, that his love for me is greater than I'll ever understand, and that he wants to walk with me, he wants to teach me, he wants to guide me, he wants to, give, he wants to grow me through the experiences that I'm a part of. But my job truly is to draw near to him and trust him because his help will be greater than what I ever imagined anyway. It reminds me, actually, of Jacob. Uh, I know we talked about him in communion, but this is a different part of his story. The whole reason that he schemed and tricked his older brother Esau out of the birthright was because he didn't believe that God would fulfill his promise. Think about it for a minute. Before Jacob was even born, the Lord had told Isaac and Rebekah that the older would serve the younger. And Esau was barely older. (laughs) But, The truth is, in their time, Esau would have been like, I don't know, the he would get the inheritance and all that would be, he would get the greater blessing. But God told Isaac and Rebekah, the older would serve the younger. That means Jacob was going to be the father of the nation of Israel, not Esau. And yet still, Jacob spent his life hurting others instead of trusting God. Of course, Esau, like we said, he wanted to kill him, so that's why he fled to his uncles to escape the consequences. And when he finally realized he needed to go home, on the way home is when he wrestled with God. And when I was younger, I was like, what does that mean? Why did he wrestle with God? Why did he have to wrestle with God? Like physically, he had like a, a, his hip was displaced in that whole situation. And I thought, why? Well, what I realize now is that, that Jacob finally was understanding that he needed to trust God and allow God to prevail in his life, not do things on his own. He didn't need to coerce or cheat or trick or steal God's blessing. What he needed to do is trust God, trust that God could lead him. So Jacob, let's think about this for a minute. He messed up big time, right? Okay, but there's a few things. First of all, he ran far from God, but God never left him. God never removed his love from him. As a matter of fact, God didn't even remove his blessing from him. 
God simply waited patiently for Jacob to learn the truth and return home. That's my question for us today. Is God waiting for you to return home? Have you drifted from him or lost sight of him? Or have you been um, struggling in a situation where you, you're tempted to blame him or, or, um, or be mad with him? Just like Jacob, God is waiting for you. He doesn't want your struggle to defeat you. He wants you to trust him to lead you. He wants to define something greater in you. And I can tell you one thing that I am extremely confident of is this. You can be secure in his promises when you come near to him. I just wonder if people in the room, if there's anybody struggling with some sort of medical diagnosis or, or job loss or a financial turn, maybe a broken relationship. I don't know. God knows what we're dealing with, but sometimes it feels like everything around us is crumbling or we might just feel extremely overwhelmed. But can I say that is exactly the time when we need to be giving it over to God? Because does it really work to blame him or run from him? It really doesn't, does it? It doesn't do anything. It doesn't help in any way. The truth is, the very things that should draw us nearer to God sometimes are the exact same things that have a tendency to pull us away from him instead. And can I tell you something? The truth is, your enemy couldn't be happier. I'm sure even if you're not in a struggle today, I, I pray that God is still speaking to your heart, something that you've experienced in the past. Or, or maybe someone in your life that you could encourage. Because I think all of us at one point or another have, have been mad. And we've cried out in frustration and even felt very angry. And we've directed that anger possibly toward God. And I wonder if it could be this, that, that maybe we become so focused on the issue instead of the one who can help that we lose perspective on who God is. I, it actually reminds me too of Adam and Eve. Think about them. In the garden when they sinned, they hid from God. But God didn't hide from them. He was still there. He was still in the garden. In fact, calling out to them. He didn't move away from them. He didn't stop loving them. In fact, he pursued them. And I say the same for you. God is pursuing each and every one of us. It actually reminds me even more of a toddler. How many of you guys have ever experienced life with a toddler? What are toddlers like? They want to do everything on their own, right? Huh? Okay. So we see our toddlers, I don't know, especially those fine ones, they want to like button a button or, um, I don't know, try and put their little tower together or even a Lego piece or something. And it just isn't fitting the way they think it should. And they get so frustrated and they get so angry. And we let them struggle and we let them fight with it. And we watch them get angry about it. And we offer to help them at some point. And what do they say? No, you got it. Yeah, I do it. Right? They always say, I do it. And they don't want your help. I wonder... In the same way, if God offers his help and we, in our own words, say the same thing. No, I do it. In fact, have you ever seen a toddler get mad at you because they're failing? You know it, right? They get so mad. But isn't that what we do to God when we blame him for our hardship? That's my prayer today is that we would actually recognize that that doesn't belong in God's hands. That, that our anger and frustration we need to find the real root of it. There's a root of it that, that we need to seek in and understand is not from God. Like I said before, you know, God is not. What is he not? He's not the agent of sin, destruction, sickness, death, depression, anxiety. He's not the author of any of those things, right? We need to recognize 
what's causing that frustration and anger. And we need to turn that over to God. And when we're tempted to ask God, where is he in this? I want to say there's three big things we can do. We can, one, remember who he is. Two, remember who he's not. And three, remember what his word says. Who is he? Think about this for a minute. Put your focus on that. He's an almighty God. He's your everlasting father. He's your prince of peace. He's your creator. He died on the cross for your sin. He's all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful, all-present. He's perfect. The Bible says he was sinless, that he is love. Those are all the things that he is. If we can put our attention there, we'll remember who he's not. The age of sin or destruction or death or depression. He's not. Those are, that's not who he is. And then if we can remember what his word teaches us. Let me give you one more passage from Isaiah. His word teaches me this in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let me repeat a piece of that again so that you're with me. I want to make sure you're awake. Ready? He says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am, I will, I will, I will, with my righteous right hand. Don't miss it, what he's saying. I am with you. I am your God. I will give you strength. I will help you. I will hold you. And then if we can connect this verse specifically with all the verses we've already read so far, he's close to the brokenhearted. He gives strength to the weary. He brings peace, grace, mercy, truth. His love is unfailing. And his forgiveness is for all who seek him, no matter what. And countless times he reminds us in his word that he will never leave you or mock you or condemn you because love would never do any of that. Amen? I would say this to you. If you're struggling today, I wonder if you're clinging, clinging to a false hope instead of a promise that God has to walk with you, to teach you, to grow you, to work this thing out for good. That's our challenge today, to hold on to promises of that. And then I'm going to add one more piece in Philippians 4, 7, where it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Can I say this to you? That when you rely and trust the promises of God, that's when this verse becomes so true. That the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I have two stories I'm going to share with you from my own life. And some of you have heard these stories before, but they fit so perfectly in with what we're talking about today that I want to share them with you in contrast to each other. Because one of the stories ends awesome, and one of them not so awesome. But the truth is, and I can tell you in both situations, I knew that I had a Father God that was with me. I knew that his peace that didn't make any sense to anybody else was with me. I knew that I could trust him fully in both situations. And the first was this. Uh, we were in preterm labor eight weeks early with my son. And the doctors that were there thought something could be wrong with him to the point where they were suggesting that we might need to consider terminating the pregnancy. And God's peace, I can tell you, was in every single moment. His word in my heart gave me confidence that I could trust him with the outcome. 
which became an amazing testimony to the nurses and the doctors that we spent those days with. Of course, the story ended awesome. We have an amazing son. He's healthy. He's great. There was no issues, no struggles, nothing. He's a perfect little baby. And what a testimony that was to say, you know, some of the nurses and the doctors said, wow, you were so calm. You were so patient. You didn't seem so worried. And I said, I knew. God just put a peace on my heart, and I just knew it was going to be okay. The second story, though, didn't end as well. It was when my dad was in the hospital. He'd gone there to seek, um, to seek help, and he collapsed into cardiac arrest. And then they, they had to resuscitate him, and in the process broke a rib that punctured his lung that ultimately led to his death. But can I tell you something? I felt that same peace from God. I knew that he was with me. I knew that he was helping me. I knew that he was holding me. He was carrying me. He was comforting me. He was giving me what I needed in those moments. And his words in my heart gave me confidence that I could trust him with the outcome. Now, in the moment, I believed that everything would be okay. But when God's version of okay and my version did not match up, I had to believe in his promises. I had to choose to trust him fully. That's when I really began to learn that God's wisdom is far greater than my understanding. That what God wants is my trust. Are you ready for this? He he doesn't want my agenda. I would have handled that situation much differently. But he said, will you trust me? We get those, that understanding in Proverbs. I'm going to read this with you. And actually, if you learned this as a child, maybe you can repeat it with me. Because in Proverbs 3, uh, verses 5 and 6 specifically, I feel like every kid under the sun memorized this verse. So if you know it, read it with me. It says this, trust in the Lord what, with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. I'm going to pause right there for a minute because that's what we usually memorize as kids, don't we? But there's more. There's more. The rest of it goes on to say, but do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. What does that mean? Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Quite simply, set aside your agenda. Set aside your plan, what you think should happen, and trust God's wisdom with a reverent and humble heart. Friends, don't entertain thoughts that pull you away from God. Don't blame him in your struggle because he's not the author of evil. He's the author of truth. And he wants to walk with you. He wants to teach you. He wants to guide you. He wants you to rely on his wisdom, his plan. Because when you do, that will bring nourishment to your bones. That's a peace that the world cannot give that we gain when we trust him. In our kids' ministry, I give this analogy, and it's one of my favorite analogies, that God's wisdom and understanding is a lot like an air traffic controller. Think about that for a minute. The air traffic controller can see the whole sky. We're like pilots. We can only see what's right in front of us. My understanding in any situation is very, very limited. But God can see the whole sky, and he wants my trust. 
much like a pilot puts their trust in the air traffic controller. I tried to come up with something crafty. I couldn't quite come up with it. So can you let God be your air traffic controller? I tried to be like life, purpose giver. I couldn't figure it out. So I decided, will you let him be your air traffic controller? Will you submit to his leading? Let go of my own agenda and trust your almighty, all-seeing, all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful Father God. As we close up our time today, let me just say, there are just a few simple ways. The first is just to draw nearer to God with open and honest prayer. He wants your honest prayers. He wants to know when things have been hard. Search through his word for truth in your circumstance. You will find it because when we ask God for help, he will three people. Oh, I thought I'd get more. I thought for sure second service would give me more. But when we ask God for help, he will help us. So search his word for truth in your circumstance. Rest in his promise to help you and hold you and strengthen you and walk with you. And I would even challenge you to memorize some of those words that you might need constantly on your heart to remind you of his faithfulness. And finally, let prayer and God's word become a daily habit in your life. Very much like you would invest in a friendship. It takes time and intentionality. So be intentional with God. Worship him daily for what he has done, what he is doing, and what you trust he's going to do. Amen? He will work things out for good. Will you stand with me and we'll pray this morning. Oh, Father, we are so thankful for what your word teaches us. And God, we're humbled by your word. God, we... We seek you and we ask that you would teach us to trust you more. That in those moments when we're tempted to run, God, that you would be the reminder in our hearts that we need you. That we need to rest in your promises. That we need to trust in your grace. And that, God, you have promised so many things to be with us, to walk with us, to grow us, God. That you are near to us and love us so fully pray we wouldn't forget those things when, our, when we're in a place of struggle. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for the time we have together. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I do have a benediction for you. It comes from Philippians 4.19 that God would meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hey, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week.